0: China and Australia take steps to mend the bilateral relationship, some relief for the housing market, and Elon Musk drops his plan to buy Twitter. It's Monday, the 11th of July, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael, from the Gold Coast in Queensland this time. This is is quite incredible. You, You lasted a week at home. And then, you, uh, then you've relocated again and broadcasting remotely. My kids
1: kicked me out. Yep, we're up. Jackie and I are up on the Gold Coast for a week. It is beautiful up here. Quite an incredible drive, though. I drove up from Sydney and the water around the place. I mean, New South Wales, obviously, in the last few weeks, has had a deluge. And indeed, around Newcastle, just north of Newcastle, it took us about three and a half hours to go six kilometers, literally, wow. because there were uh, road, well, it wasn't road closures, there was water over the road, so many lanes were going down to one, but the place is so wet, the state of New South Wales is so, so wet.
0: Yeah, and there's more rain around now. Hey, Sean, can I just ask you one very quick question before we get into the show? Sure. On your road trip, it's just you and mm-hmm. Jackie in the car, mm-hmm. do you queue up multiple episodes of Safe Word by Fear and Greed and just listen to them back to back?
1: Look, you can never listen to the same episode too many times. So, I, I do cue them up back to back, and Jackie says no, and put your that. headphones on. <laughs> that's right.
0: makes for a very silent slightly uncomfortable car trip all right right. and the best part is you get
1: to drive home again (laughs) that's right (laughs) i'll try it on the way home see what happens all right good
0: luck now immediately after the show uh, you've got an interview coming up with ben gilbert
1: who we've spoken to before from Jarden australia It's all about the retailers, and particularly the discretionary retailers. They've really been sold off hard in the last few months, and we ask, Ben, whether it's time for investors to think about getting in again. It's really interesting chat.
0: Yeah, it's a great one, especially for investors. So that's coming up a little bit later on. But the main story this morning, Sean, the relationship between Beijing and Canberra is improving, albeit slowly, with China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi saying Scott Morrison's coalition government
1: was the cause of the breakdown. That's right, Mr. Huang told Federal Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong at their meeting in Bali that China was willing to re examine and recalibrate the bilateral relationship based on mutual respect. Mr. Huang, the second most senior Chinese diplomat, blamed the coalition's irresponsible words and deeds for the recent friction. According to a report in The Australian, Beijing has a four point plan to improve the relationship. Mr. Huang wants Australia to treat China as a partner rather than a rival. Second one, the two countries need to seek common ground. Well, that makes sense. Third one, Australia must reject manipulation by a third party. He didn't say it, but he was talking about the United States. That's a bit trickier, I think. And finally, both countries need to build a public support featuring positiveness and pragmatism.
0: So, all right. So we aren't exactly best friends yet. There still seems to be quite a long way to go.
1: That's right, and everything China says needs to be critically examined, no doubt about that. But we have come a long way from Beijing refusing to pick up the phone to talk to the former government. We have now had meetings of senior ministers, senior bureaucrats, former Prime Ministers Paul Keating and Malcolm Turnbull have met with China's envoy to Australia, and certainly there's a lessening of demands from Beijing. The Albanese government is sticking to its demand that sanctions and tariffs imposed on Australian goods are dropped before we go any further. So as you say, Michael, there is a long way to go, but at least we're taking steps in the right direction.
0: Yeah, certainly. And it's interesting as well, Sean, that, that Australia isn't the only country trying to soften its rhetoric around China because you've got the Biden administration as well. that appears to have dropped its recent aggressive approach to Beijing and asking for support against Russia.
1: That's right as as recently as a week ago the US was pretty ferocious in its criticism of China But then over the weekend, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken met Mr. Huang at the end of the G20 meeting in Bali. Mr. Blinken pressed China to change its position and join the US and partners to stand up against Russia in the war in Ukraine. During a five-hour meeting, Mr. Blinken emphasised shared issues of concern, including climate change and global economic health. Even the fact that they spent five hours together is relevant here. Now, Mr. Huang asked for China to remove tariffs on Chinese products. And to stop imposing sanctions on Chinese companies, like Australia, there's no breakthrough between China and the US, but both sides are talking, and that's a lot better than last year.
0: Yeah, it sure is. All right, let's check in on financial markets. How did the ASX finish up last week? The S&P ASX
1: 200 finished Friday up half a percent, six thousand six hundred and seventy-eight points. That took the rise for the week to more than two percent. That's the best since mid-March. The energy mining companies were among the best performers. Gold miners and Barbara climbed nearly 10%. Lithium stocks also did well. Liontown Town and Pilbara Minerals were both up around 7%. Mineral resources closed 4.6% higher. Coal miners Whitehaven and New Hope also outperformed. The three big miners, BHP, Fortescue and Rio, were all higher while the banks were slightly lower. And what about international markets? Wall Street was flat over the weekend. A surprisingly strong employment report raised hopes that the world's biggest economy won't fall into recession. That's good news. But it also supports the argument that interest rates need to rise a fair bit more. The unemployment rate in the US, which is measured somewhat differently to Australia, so it's apples and oranges here, but the unemployment rate is 3.6% in the US. Investors on Wall Street will be waiting to see the latest inflation data for June, which is due out on Wednesday night. Also, June quarter earnings season kicks off later this week, so that will lead the market, and Australia will also follow that lead. Away from the US, markets will keep a very close watch on economic data out of China this week. June quarter growth figures are due out on Friday. Economists expect the Chinese economy probably contracted during the three months, notwithstanding Beijing is adamant that the world's second largest economy will expand by 5.5% this year. That's looking very unlikely, mostly due to the zero COVID policy being followed by Beijing, but very critical numbers later this week. Okay. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news.
0: Sean, there was a massive jump in wholesale electricity prices in the June quarter with costs up
1: seven times normal levels in some states. And of course, it's consumers that are footing the bill. Yeah, that's right. Prices for wholesale power more than doubled last quarter to an average of $323 a megawatt hour in Queensland, easily the highest of any state in the past two decades and nearly seven times normal levels for the quarter. According to Energy Edge, as reported in the Financial Review, New South Wales wholesale prices jumped 240% to $302 a megawatt hour, and in South Australia, they're up 260% to $256 A megawatt hour these prices are extraordinarily high the record high prices have been driven by coal and gas costs it isn't actually the generators making huge profits here in fact some of them have cut their profit guidance it's the raw material prices which have gone through the roof smaller electricity retailers have gone out of business or suspended operations and of course michael as you mentioned it's we customers that are now going to foot the bill
0: Now, in terms of the housing market, Sean, the last few weeks seems to have thrown up a torrent of bad news. But there was a little good news over the weekend. Auction
1: clearance rates lifting off their two-year lows. We'll take anything at the moment, Michael. CoreLogic reported a preliminary clearance rate across the mainland capital cities last week of 59% up from the previous week's 55%. That previous week was the lowest since April 2020, so too early to say it's bottomed, but at least it's going in the right direction this week. Sydney, the country's largest market, rose to 58% from 53%. Melbourne came in at 59%, which was up from 57%. Agents warn, though, that the glut of unsold homes on the market at the moment, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, has triggered big discounts. And the housing correction is now considered the largest in 40 years. Plenty happening in that space. Now, this
0: is a a really interesting story, Sean. An English appeals court has given the green light for 200,000 Brazilian litigants to pursue
1: a near $9 billion class action against BHP. Yes, it's around the 2015 Samarco Dam disaster in which the collapse of a dam killed 19 people and poured about 40 million cubic metres of mining waste into communities, leaving hundreds homeless. The Court of Appeal in Britain overturned a ruling for BHP, which was handed down in March last year. The Court of Appeal said a trial could yield a real and legitimate advantage for the claimants that outweighs the disadvantages for the parties in terms of expense. A Brazilian class action eventually awarded $20 billion Brazilian reals to claimants. That's about $5.6 billion. This is on top of that one.
0: Sean, Magellan, the one-time rock star of the local funds management industry,
1: is having a very tough time of it at the moment. Sure is. Ever since a big international fund took its money from Magellan late last year and its high-profile boss, Hamish Douglas, stepped down for health reasons, the share price performance has tumbled. Poor investment performance and a loss of mandates contributed to that poor performance. On Friday, Magellan said it had recorded another month of net outflows with $5.2 billion leaving management. Part of that was market-related, but part of it was people taking money away. Magellan's share price has fallen more than 70% in the past year. Okay,
0: moving on to overseas news, Sean, and Japan remains in mourning over the assassination of former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, the country's longest-serving leader and really one of its greatest economic reformers.
1: Yes, his legacy will be both political and economic. He was among the most influential of leaders in the Liberal Democratic Party in the country and his reformist economics, which was well known as Abenomics, while not always popular, helped the world's third largest economy recover after decades of underperformance. The attacker is a 41-year-old former Japanese Navy member who appears to have acted alone using a homemade gun and had a grudge against Mr Abe. Gun attacks and violent crime are relatively rare in Japan and the country is in shock. Tributes have poured in from the Dalai Lama and US presidents through to China's Xi Jinping and Russia's Vladimir Putin.
0: Okay, now I mentioned this one at the top of the show, Sean. Elon Musk's 44 billion US dollar proposed takeover of Twitter is over after the enigmatic business
1: leader dropped his bid over the weekend. That's right, but Twitter is working to keep the deal alive. (laughs) Miss... He just goes on this one. Mr. Musk over the weekend said Twitter had made misleading representations over the number of spam bots on the service. His team had concluded that Twitter couldn't verify its figures on spam accounts, while Twitter last week said spam bots make up less than 5% of the social media services total user base. The board of Twitter wants the deal to go ahead and argues that Mr. Musk is legally compelled to stick with his agreed upon acquisition otherwise pay a penalty measured in the billions of dollars. It seems that the legal view is that Mr. Musk does need to go ahead, but he has plenty of money behind him. So this is going to be a big court case. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a very
0: exciting one for those of us watching it, I suspect. I think so. Now, finally, Sean, there are growing fears that huge debts throughout the developing world are threatening to plummet poorer nations into chaos,
1: Yes, Sri Lanka was the first nation to stop paying its foreign bondholders this year as food and fuel costs soared, stoking social and political chaos. Now, the Sri Lankan Prime Minister has stepped down over the past couple of days as a result of all that. Russia followed in June in terms of not paying foreign bondholders thanks to sanctions. Now, nations like El Salvador, which if you remember was the first and only country to declare Bitcoin legal tender. Ghana, Egypt, Tunisia, and Pakistan are all vulnerable to default, according to Bloomberg Economics. There's about one quarter of a trillion US dollars in distressed debt from developing nations. Low income, big debts, not a good mix, not promising for the global economy.
0: Okay. Up next, Sean, is the Fear and Greed
1: Daily Interview with Jardin's Ben Gilbert. Yeah, we talked about this at the top of the show. It's a great look at why you should or shouldn't invest in retail stocks, particularly consumer discretionary stocks. We run through a bunch of companies. Ben is very able to talk and play in plain English when it comes to investing. Well worth a listen if you're interested in investing. Yeah, certainly is. And of course, we are not an investing podcast. So we certainly recommend that you
0: do get professional advice before making any decisions. But Ben Gilbert's chat is a really good kind of starting point for your research. And of course, today we have a new episode of The Week Ahead, which features our resident economist, Stephen Kukoulos. Really, the the, the headline this week is all the labour force data out on Thursday.
1: That's right. Stephen's had a very busy few weeks and now keeps going this week, labour force. I think he thinks the unemployment rate's going to fall to 37 or 3.8%, which would be the lowest in 40 years or so. Great chat, that one. Yeah, they're both coming up next
0: in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Monday the 11th of July 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget that you can hear us through your smart speaker as well. Just say, play the Fear and Greed podcast and away you
1: go. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.